0: And they put into words the emotions that the people of God felt. And Psalm 149 says this, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of God be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory Let the faithful people rejoice in this honour and sing for joy on their beds. In other words, when a person comes to that great realisation of who God is and we know him in the Lord Jesus Christ and he enters our life, one of the results of that is that he fills our hearts with joy as we experience his love, his forgiveness and the great reality that he is our God over us and music enables us to give voice to that joy and that's part of what we're celebrating here today and that's what the word of God reminds us of and so continue to enjoy this occasion we've got two more songs now and then we're going to do another thing we do in church Uh, we've got a message but because it's jazz weekend it's half the length of what we normally do and so we're going to have yeah praise the Lord says Al McEwen.
1: G'day everyone. As uh, Bruce has said, my name is Nathan, I'm one of the ministers here on the team, and uh, as we start, I just want to clear something up. I don't typically wear a vest when I speak, just in case you're wondering. This is not my normal attire, but you know, I think it's pretty great, actually. And you know, maybe for some of you here, being in church on a Sunday is also not normal, I think that's pretty great, too, and I hope you've been enjoying your morning. If you're a jazz fan, even just a casual one, chances are you've heard the name Ella Fitzgerald. Now, over her 60-year career, she was known as America's First Lady of Song and the Queen of Jazz. So she was a pretty big deal. In 1959, she made history by becoming the first African-American woman to win a Grammy Award. She'd actually go on to win 13 more Grammys on the way to selling over 40 million albums. Isn't that incredible? She collaborated with other highly regarded artists like Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington and Frank Sinatra, and today Ella really is considered one of the most important jazz singers in history. Not just for the quality of her voice, which was amazing, But she's also remembered for her groundbreaking improvisation. Now in jazz, they call it scat singing, scat singing. It's a style that uses wordless phrases to make your voice sound like an instrument. And as they scat, a singer will literally create a brand new song, a totally unique tune right there in front of you, It's, it's quite amazing. And Ella Fitzgerald was a legend at it. Amongst many legendary performances, some of her fans often point to one particular performance as rising above the rest. It's a live recording of How High the Moon from 1960. Got a little taste for us. Take a listen.
0: How high the moon, don't you touch the stars? How high the moon, don't you reach out to Mars? Though the words may be wrong to the song,
1: we're asking a Now, across that seven-minute track, she actually, she improvises for more than five minutes of it, which is pretty astounding. And in fact, such was the precision and the control of Ella's voice. As bands were setting up for a gig, they could actually gather around her and tune their instruments to her voice as she sang. That's how amazing she was. I told Dave about that fact last week and his eyes almost fell out of his head. And I'm not a musician, right, so it's kind of lost on me, but if Dave thinks that's incredible, then it it must be. It must be. Now, just as some of Ella's fans consider that performance a high point in her career, you know, a case could be made for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount being one of the high points of his career. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is the title given to a set of teachings that Jesus delivered to his disciples, funnily enough, while they were sitting on top of a mountain. And it's from this sermon we get phrases that we still use today, like, salt of the earth and turn the other cheek. And it's here that Jesus paints for his followers a picture of what living life is meant to look like, what it's meant to look like. And similar, in a way, to kind of Ella and her band, it's kind of like Jesus is gathering his disciples around him and saying, go ahead, guys, and tune your life to this. Tune your life to this. Perhaps the most striking note that that Jesus issues to them is when he goes and he says this, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, on first hearing, there's not much that makes less sense than to love your enemies, is there? It sounds kind of funny. Off, backwards, mistaken, like a note that's played in the wrong key. I mean, an enemy is someone who, by definition, is against you, sometimes busily and with hostility. Enemies are dangerous, aren't they? They're threatening. And so we treat them with suspicion and probably a little hostility of our own, if we're honest. In other words, we tend to keep our enemies at arm's length, and for good reason, And yet the note that Jesus issues here to his disciples, it kind of cuts right against what we might expect. Enemies are not to be kept at arm's length, Jesus says. They're to be embraced. They might not deserve your love, but give it to them anyway. The word we use for that is grace. An undeserved gift. Give
0: them grace. But it's actually not the only high note
1: that Jesus issues in this famous sermon of his. He speaks of turning away from dishonesty, from pride, from anger and lust, from greed and revenge. Tune your life to a different song. And as Jesus lays out all this teaching for his disciples, it's pretty clear right away that the song he's calling us to tune our lives to, it's out of our range and we might give it a good go, you know, to hit those high notes, but we never quite get there. And in the end, in the end, we're a bit like this battler. Well, i afraid to tell I love her just in case she doesn't love me. Wow, how cringeworthy is that, right? Even more so, because it turns out that's me. (laughs) Mm. I'll tell you, that was the high point of my musical career. (laughs) And to be fair to my 12-year-old self, if I tried singing that song now, I think it would sound a whole lot worse. (laughs) I, I haven't gotten better with age. So that's me, but it's also you as well. It's actually all of us when it comes to trying to hit the high notes of life. When it comes to living the way that Jesus was that Jesus calls us to live, singing in tune with his song. Turns out we're a whole lot more like musical Superman than we are like Ella Fitzgerald. We struggle to tell the truth, or even just the whole truth, about big things and small things, because it makes us look better or it saves us from getting in trouble. We cut corners, we take advantage of people and situations without thinking about the damage we might be causing, we hold tightly to our grudges, don't we? Sometimes for years on end, and then we spend our time dreaming up ways of getting that person back for what they did to us. Or even just the thoughts that we let pass through our minds, stuff that we would never want anyone else knowing because then they would know what we are really like. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, how often do we end up falling short of our own standards for our lives, let alone the ones given to us by He who created this place? And the sad reality of our falling short of us not actually singing in tune with Jesus is that we really have no business being up on stage with Him. no chance of being in relationship with him. It's not possible. Because there is no place beside him for those who can't or those who won't hit the high notes. And unfortunately, that is all of us. And yet, here is the amazing truth about the Christian faith. If it is your first time with us here this morning, maybe this is the first time you've heard what I'm about to say, but Jesus, he wasn't just a songwriter. He didn't just write some crazy song that no one could possibly sing and then kick us all off stage when we couldn't hit the high notes. The whole reason he came down to us was not just to give us the tune, but to actually sing it himself, to sing it perfectly, each and every note. And that whole bit about loving your enemies, Jesus hit that note most profoundly the day he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross because he was hanging there. He was dying there for the very people who were driven in the nails. Jesus' death was the greatest act of love shown towards those who harbored the greatest of hostility towards him. It was enemy love on the grandest of scales and it actually remains the most amazing demonstration of God's love towards all of us another part of the Bible puts it like this. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means Jesus didn't die for you once you'd gone and gotten yourself together once you'd cleaned up your act, once you'd finally made yourself presentable, once you'd hit all your KPIs and impressed your boss, and he didn't die for you in the hope of what you might be able to do for him. He died for you while you were his enemy, while you were farthest from him, at your lowest, when you had nothing at all to offer him in return. That's when he chose to give his life for you. And that right there is the song of enemy love and just like Ella's amazing scat singing it is a tune that is completely unlike anything the world's ever heard before it's the sound of grace the sound of those who are undeserving being offered a place on stage with God doesn't matter how far you might have strayed or how out of tune you might have been living your life Jesus offers to pay the price for your poor performance He invites you to join him up on stage to be reconciled with you. Ella Fitzgerald may have given us an amazing voice. Well, Jesus offers to each of us an amazing grace. In just a moment, I'm going to hand back to the band. We're going to get a chance to hear them sing that very song for us. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. These are words that have left an indelible mark on modern history. They were sung the day Martin Luther King delivered his famous speech, the day the Berlin Wall fell. They're words that were used to celebrate as Nelson Mandela walked free, and words that rang out across the city of New York in the aftermath of September 11. This is a song about enemy love. And the self confessed wretch who's responsible for writing it. John Newton, he was a guy who lived the early part of his life drastically out of tune. Before giving his life to Christ, he was an angry, immoral captain of a slave trading ship. Right? He trafficked in human misery, about as far from God as someone could get. And yet, after encountering God's forgiveness, everything changed for him. And actually, decades later, Newton ended up playing a pivotal role in the abolition of the British slave trade. Amazing grace indeed. As we listen now to this most famous of hymns, may it draw you ever closer to consider the magnitude and the invitation of a God who is willing to give his life for his enemies. Enjoy. Enjoy.